This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 153. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and we are coming off an absolutely extreme weekend of professional wrestling, Nick. Not only do we Mm. have... Ring of Honor, we had TakeOver Toronto, SummerSlam, the G1. It was a huge weekend of wrestling. But we're here to talk about just two things, and that's SummerSlam and TakeOver yes. Toronto. Yes. Arguably the biggest, the biggest shows in America this weekend. Uh, they were huge shows, both of them for different reasons. Um, and I'm looking forward to going over all of them with you, Nick. But before that, let's do a little housekeeping, and then we'll get into the meat of the show. Yes. Uh, as always, guys, come join us in the Facebook discussion group, a uh, busted wide open discussion group over on Facebook, I should say. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast, right here on YouTube, live every week, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you're subscribed at youtube.com slash busted wide open and hit that notification bell because sometimes we go live. At different times, like tonight, we're, we're a little bit late tonight because of issues, but uh, you definitely want to be subscribed there because we have a whole campaign going on where if you can get to us to 1,000 subscribers by October 4th, by the time Fox airs SmackDown Live, Sir Ian Dangerous is going to sing Tai Chi's theme song, his entrance song, at karaoke and record it to post on YouTube. You do not, we do not want to miss out on this opportunity. Listeners. I want to add, it's not just, it's not just karaoke. It's a karaoke night that I like host and work. Right. You know, like it's <laughs> I'm the center of attention already. It's just going to make it worse. Right. So. But I even doubled down on that, and I said I think we can get it done by the end of August, and we're halfway through the month. And as you can see at the bottom of the screen, we got a long way to go. So we've got about 50 days left to get to October 4th. Uh, to get another set, what is that? Seven hundred? About another 750 subscribers. That's we can all. do it. We can do it. All right. Uh, just got to spread the word, guys. But, yeah, definitely want to hit that goal. And if we can hit it in the next couple of weeks, that means you get to see me sing Nia Jax's entrance song at karaoke as well. And I'll have to find yes. a way to get to L.A. and do that. Don't, so. don't leave me high and dry, kids, yeah. please. God, please. <laughs> you get a Nia shrine of your own. <laughs> yeah. Uh... 
Oh, and last but certainly not least, we absolutely love our patrons. Thank you guys so much for your support, for being willing to give a little bit of your hard-earned money over to us every single month. It really helps. Really helps. Uh, it's helped us build this brand new streaming setup uh, as, as we've continued to evolve the show. Uh, we got a couple of months until we're going to go to two shows a week. So yes, uh, patreon.com slash BWO. Lots of good stuff coming uh, as we get to the final quarter of the year. But Ian, that's enough talk about housekeeping. We have absolutely got to go over and talk about SummerSlam. Well, as always, we are going to start with the the pre-show, which we got surprised by, Nick. We thought there was only going to be one match, possibly two, that we knew of on the pre-show. But last minute, they canceled the Drew McIntyre-Cedric Alexander match from the show and instead gave us a couple of matches we were not expecting at all. Yeah, where did these come from? Uh, out of nowhere, they're like they're like the Randy Orton of matches. We we got uh, one that we were expecting, which was the cruiserweight championship pulling the curtain again. These poor guys, a championship match. Ugh. I mean, at least they're on the card, right? I guess that's the theory here. Um, Only Lorkin and Drew Gulak had their championship cruiserweight match. And I mean, the Intercontinental Title wasn't on the card. Spoiler alert: wasn't at, at all. Not, nor was the Raw or SmackDown Tag Team Championships. So. I guess they were at least here. Uh, it was it was and it was it was kind of a meh match. I mean, it was it was kind of pre-show fodder match. To be honest with you, I expected more out of these guys. That being said, I got exactly what I expected out of this match, and that was Oni Lorkin hitting the crap out of Drew Gulak. Yep. Drew, Drew Gulak hitting the crap out of Oni Lorkin, um, and then ultimately Drew Gulak gave him a neck punch. Ref didn't see it. One, two, three, we're done, and Drew Gulak retains. So do you think that's it for Oni Lorcan? Does he have more to do in the Cruiserweight division? Was that his only shot? What's, uh, what's up with Oni right now? Um, I don't know. He was wearing yellow trunks with black wristbands. Hashtag NXT. I, 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 don't think, I think he might be done in the Cruiserweight thing. I think this was the end of it. I want to see more Mike Bennett, uh, Canellis, and Drake Maverick, frankly. That was the hottest thing to come out of cr- the Cruiserweight division this year. It's so. kind of sad because it's in a way it's almost proving Vince right. You know, his whole thing was let's put more characters in the cruiserweight division, and he made everyone kind of a, a gimmick. You know, Drew Gulak was the PowerPoint presentation guy, and Enzo Amore was your champ. And yet here people are saying, I want more of these gimmick kind of guys. Um, so it's that's kind of a tough that's a tough line to 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 step to there, Nick. I mean, you're you're asking for more character driven stuff essentially. Yeah, I, in a division that's supposedly about work rate. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot of story that goes on in the cruiserweight division. <laughs> so there's I, some, but, but arguably not enough, or it doesn't get enough attention. I mean, I thought that I mean they kind of threw this match together. Yeah. Only had a week to be the contender, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I think there's places they can go. There's new people that are coming to the cruiserweight division that are exciting, but yeah, they definitely have to build these major matches more. I think, especially given the fact that uh, it's perceived as not having enough character-driven stuff and not being exciting enough. From that standpoint, from the sports entertainment standpoint, uh, we both saw that coming. Though we didn't see the match between Buddy Murphy and Apollo Cruz coming. Um, that being said, once it was announced, we said, "Oh, this has got to be furthering the Daniel Bryan Rowan uh, Roman Reigns angle." And sure enough, it was. The match was not about trying to have uh, a Buddy Murphy and Apollo actually have a, a decent match, although the match they had was fine. But it was about Rowan coming out and beating up Buddy Murphy and saying, keep my name out of your mouth, and the yeah. match ended in a, in, a, in a no contest. So that was 
yeah, not unexpected there. I don't think once we knew what it was, what once we knew that the car, the, the this match was happening, it was not terribly surprising. The outcome. Yeah, no, not at all. So, um, why why are we booking Buddy Murphy, who just got kind of got a, had a standoff with Roman Reigns? Where in the hell did Apollo Cruz come from? That's my just, question. Someone who could have a match with him, who's capable, you know, and they, they could have an exciting match for the time that they had, and they did. It was, it was kind of fun, but what I'm more worried about is at what point do we start positioning Buddy Murphy as being an ass-kicker again? Because that guy, when he was coming out in the cruiserweight division, it wasn't just that he was fighting smaller guys. He, it was just his presence. The guy's presence, he felt like an ass-kicker. Yep. But now you've had him get beat up and tossed aside like garbage two weeks in a row or two shows in a row. That's not a good look for him. No. So fingers fingers crossed that they rehab him somehow or have other plans for him or something because right now this is not a good look. No, it's not. And uh, he had one of the best cruiserweight reigns I, I might have ever seen. It was it was awesome. Like having well, him and, and him going back to winning it in in Australia. You know, it, that's not that a heidi goal to achieve. <laughs> The best cruiserweight in the WWE, but I mean, he owned that, and he walked out with the the swagger and just carried it. And we didn't yeah, even they even changed his music. Hammer and oh, that's yeah, they changed his music for the show. Oh, it was awful. It's like what? Oh. Like, oh God, why did they change his music? His music was great. It went like you know, dubstep is dead. Let's let's call a spade a spade, but it still sounded badass when he came out. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, I agree. He embraced the techno Viking. I, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was very impactful. Right. Uh, before we move on, Rowan shirt watch. Rowan shirt watch. Anyone? Yes. Uh, Iced Earth. Don't know mm. this one. Classic. Cloud. No, they're fantastic. If you like Iron Maiden, you'll like Iced Earth. They're they're great. They're a little harder than Iron Maiden, but they're fantastic. Um, and then uh, we had a segment. El- Elias came out to get that old sports team heel heat on the crowd. Once again, knocking the Toronto Blue Jays and them not having a Stanley Cup and the, the typical stuff, trying to get that Seattle heat back. When who should come out to defend the honor of Toronto? But Edge? What? Edge not only came out to an enormous pop, including from myself. I popped. I popped. When I started hearing it, it was so loud, I could not even hear his entrance music. Yeah. Right. I, all I got was, you think you know me. And then, and yeah. I couldn't hear a thing after that. Um, came down to the ring, stood up to Elias, and speared him. And then walked away. Edge is medically cleared, by the way. I researched this. He is actually medically cleared by the WWE to, ta- to have action. But because they're, they're worried that they will re-exacerbate his existing neck problem, he's not going to wrestle anymore. But it means he can come out and take a bump do a move, he can do things like this again. Yeah. He is medically cleared. That is some fantastic news. And what a way to announce it, by the way, than by having him actually come out and do something. I That's thought great. it was one of those things where he cut through caution to the wind, probably wasn't medically cleared, <laughs> but like, ah, F it, I'm going to do it anyway. Man, it, it was nice to see this morning that uh, he was, in fact, medically cleared to, to do that. So This is not the time or the era to go into business for yourself in the no. WWE. no. Like, just ask Big Cass. Don't kick a midget when you're told no, not to. No. Uh, little person. So speaking of little people, uh, Ember, uh, let's see, 
excuse me, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, little people, yes. versus the Iconics for the Women's Tag Team Championship. Apparently, it wasn't enough that they beat them in the Fatal 4-Way match on Monday, which was apparently Paul Heyman's idea. He was like, well, they'll get a better uh, time to do this women's match on Raw, you know, ignoring the fact that it gives us absolutely no build to it and no sure. real redemption for the Iconics. Well, here was the redemption match for the Iconics, and they came out, and they got beaten pretty much straight up by Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Yep. Inclu- who were, Alexa was cosplaying as, as a frickin' uh, Buzz Lightyear, for, for crying out loud. She still beat them. Although, to be, to be fair, uh, they were... Um, wasn't Peyton. It was uh, Billy Kay was dressed as Maleficent. So, cosplay versus cosplay... Disney cosplay versus Disney cosplay, I suppose. But fine. Why but in, have in the, Canada? But why? But why have the four-way on Monday ostensibly to give them more time? If you're then just going to have a rematch or just a, a double tap, if you will, yeah. on the pre-show, and really, you know, really put down the iconics. Like not only did they go out first on Monday, they got beaten by the new champs pretty handily on a pre-show. Yeah, this I, this I, was ridiculous uh, in my opinion. I, I just first of all, you you get the you yank them out of the thing that they were. If you remember last week's show, I was talking about how they had snatched Alexa and Nikki away from the uh, uh, feud with Bailey, and all of a sudden yes. it's Ember Moon out of nowhere, and that's one of the things that led me to pick Ember for that match. Unfortunately, um, but now you're immediately going to turn around and strap them with the tag team championships. It makes no sense. I don't get it at all. It frustrates me. Uh, it, it makes me just throw my hands up. At, we didn't even have the Raw and SmackDown tag matches. Why should I care about the women's now? So I, I, you're trying to build up a new women's tag division and somewhat legitimize it, and you're going to yank it off of the people that have worked as a tag team for a long time. I don't get but it. The problem, but this is exactly what they did at WrestleMania, too. Now we've got, it's two for two. We'll leave it on them for a while, have them do nothing with it, and then put it on to the next hot thing. And now we'll see what they do with Alexa and Nikki. Maybe they'll do more with them because Alexa's on this team. But somehow, I don't know. I, I think this is, again, just, it's, a, it's, it's whim booking. It's not planning. So this was, this was a bit frustrating, but at the same time, I didn't expect anything else once I saw that this match was on the card. Yeah. So it was what it was, and to be fair, they it was a fun little match. Sure. So I will I will give them that. But that being said, sir, we got to go to the main card here, and and the show kicked off. We were actually wondering in the chat how the show was going to kick off because you knew they wanted to have like a good pop at the beginning and an exciting match. What were they going to put first? And we were speculating maybe I mean Kofi and Randy they couldn't do that right at the Last beginning. Last couple Brock of shows and, they've had Seth and Brock come out first. Seth you never and know. Brock would have been strange given the amount of build. And it was the biggest match they had, and our question was answered. It was Becky Lynch versus Natalia to open the show, which on the one hand they had Becky come out first, pop the crowd. She's still popular. Um, everyone was excited, but then Natalia came out. Natalia's Canadian. This is in Canada, and the crowd was immediately like, "Yay, boo!" Uh, it's I don't. The, what do we? What do we do? Because <laughs> there's Nat- no build, there's no stakes. Nobody cares. It, it Yay, Nataki Lynch! It's like having SummerSlam in Des Moines. Hart. You know, it, it, you you automatically expect them to have a pop for Seth Rollins. Not automatically. He's going to get a pop because he's Seth Rollins. Right. So just because you go to a city doesn't automatically mean somebody's going to get that. So well, but but here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. 
for everyone who is saying, why have Natalia versus Becky? It makes no sense. Natalia's not really that hot right now. She's uh, People are kind of down on her. The one place she's going to get a halfway decent reaction, Canada. And if you're trying to kill time uh, with Becky Lynch and give her another per- opponent that was going to get a reaction from a crowd, have her face Natalia in Canada. Yeah. You'll, you'll have an invested crowd, which they were. They were invested. Uh, and they will actually invest in Natalia so much, which they did. So to that point, it actually made sense to have Natalia. And it was a, it was a pretty decent match. It was, I mean, you know, didn't burn the house down or anything, but it was a decent match. They, uh, they traded submissions. It was a submission match. You had Becky apply the sharpshooter to Natalia. Natalia applied the disarm her to Becky. Um, yeah, I, w- I mean, I was entertained by it. It didn't yeah. blow my mind, but it was, I was very entertained by it. Uh, you guys hear me build. speak all the time about Montreal versus Toronto, and, and Butters just said it in the chat. Natty's actually from Al- Calgary, Alberta. So but they're not big people- fans of Toronto. Look, Toronto people love Toronto. That's one of the pe- play- reasons all the other cities and provinces hate Toronto. Sure, but then but they still <laughs> pop really hard for Kevin Owens later, and he's from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. So if they position it as Canada versus the Kevin U.S., Owens, Canada's going to Kevin you tell me. <laughs> it's it's like people chanting USA, USA when it comes to anything with a foreign heel. If it's you're in sure. Canada and you're Canadian, oh Canada, oh Canada. So that's I don't look at that. Now, if you're in Canada and you've got someone who's from Montreal and you're in Toronto, you have someone from Toronto, then you can play that up. Right, but that you know the same way you can do that here in America if if you're in Pittsburgh and you're in Green Bay, Wisconsin. But uh, the same. So at the end of this, uh, Becky taps out Natalia. Great, we both picked that. We both figured that. Um, they had a fun was, little exchange back and forth, trying to do each other's moves. Yeah, you know. So unfortunately, because of technical difficulties and and you getting your new rig, we already have seen Monday Night Raw at this point, which negates my next question, which is what is next for Becky. <laughs> we know that now. We're not going to spoil it if you haven't seen Raw. So we know what's happening next for Becky, and it makes sense now to actually have some sort of holdover match like this one uh, to get her to the next stage. So th- my question kind of has, has been answered by Raw, which we'll talk about then on Thursday, which means, yes. Nick, let's go talk to a somewhat, let's go talk about a somewhat controversial match, and that's Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. Right. Uh, Started off with Ziggler talking trash, saying Goldberg probably isn't even in the building, and then he's Goldberg's not even going to bother coming because he knows he'll get his butt kicked. Blah 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 blah. Yep, yeah. And then of course Goldberg, his music hits. He does the Goldberg entrance, including Pyro. Pyro was back on this show. Somewhat. We got sparklers. Somewhat. We got. Hey, we got the sparklers and the Goldberg entrance. He didn't and do Goldberg- the smoke inhale though. I'm, I'm- I'm looking at you, Bill. I see. I see it. That was the one thing I was looking forward to. Well, you know why he doesn't, right? Because it's, it's actually caused it's caused permanent damage to his lungs. Well, I mean, yeah, like but what what difference does it make now? I've been doing <laughs> it twenty years, you know. What's another puff? Right. <laughs> okay. When you have when you have lung cancer from smoking cigarettes, what's another puff? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Something like that's, I mean, I smoked menthol cigarettes up. for over twenty years. You know, it's I'm. My lungs are screwed at this point, so uh, yeah. That's it. Hence, hence why you're sucking on your vape over there. Yeah, at least I don't stink anymore, but I still get my nicotine delivery. Anyway, we we get it, Nick. You vape. All right. So, but Goldberg (laughs) versus Ziggler. Goldberg versus Ziggler was uh, exactly what I think we predicted it was going to be. Yeah. (laughs) Spear, jackhammer. Goldberg leaves. What we didn't expect was another seven minutes of Ziggler screaming at Goldberg to come back and fight him like a man. And Goldberg coming back and spearing him again and again and again. 
What do you make of that? What do you, what do you, well, is there, did they have time to kill? Uh, I, were they ahead really, of schedule they, they, and they needed they, to kill two minutes? I mean, here's the thing. They, they only had only had 10 matches that we knew of. Uh, so yeah, for them on SummerSlam, they did kind of have time to kill and some, some matches were pulled a little shorter than others. Um, but this was definitely a let's make Goldberg hot again thing. Let's, let's take a guy who the fans are absolutely hating right now, have him go out there, draw a lot of heat, um, and have Goldberg go out there and annihilate him. Yeah. Have him look like, have him look like an absolute monster again. Uh, and he needed to get his mystique back. It's basically all it was, was, you know, we, we completely ruined Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. Let's have him get a little bit of that mystique back, a little bit of that heat back. And they did. That's exactly what happened here was, you know, if, if you're not overthinking it, this was Goldberg coming out looking like a badass again. That's all it was. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I needed to see that, though. Goldberg, you may not have, me, but there are Goldberg people that did. Goldberg is bigger than that. Like, I, if, he, he's, a, he's a bigger man than, you know, listening to the taunts of someone the likes of Dolph Ziggler to come all the way back down the ramp just to jackhammer him one more time. Set it up for a match the following week. Set it up for the next pay-per-view. Something. If you're going to continue like how to book he, Bill he looked exhausted with the whole thing the whole time. Like he was just kind of over it the whole time. Yeah, ninety like, all, all right, ninety seconds of it. You're gonna, you're gonna, yeah. By the way, yes, it was, but it was also, uh, it was fifteen seconds too long. They stared yeah. at each other for fifteen seconds too long, Nick. Yep. Uh, Andy that, would say the same there. thing. <laughs> Andy would say twenty-five <laughs> seconds. I would say fifteen seconds. Um, but that being said, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, this was what it was. If you're a fan of this kind of Goldberg squash match, you got your money's worth. If you're over it, you were probably bored to tears. But it's, it happened. It was exactly what it was and what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Goldberg is, I guess, arguably back to being good old Goldberg. You know, you're next, squash, squash. Yeah. So we'll see if Matt Riddle's next. Uh, moving on to AJ Styles versus Ricochet for the U.S. Championship. Unsurprisingly, the OC at ringside. Can we talk for a second before we get to this match about Finn Balor meeting up with the OC backstage? Yes, let's. And all of the tingles, all the tingles that I'm sure that 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 you were feeling, and the the deep seated like stomach churning fear I was feeling after your pickums, after your after your. Uh, your yearly breakdown of what you thought was going to happen booking-wise? Guys, if you haven't heard that, if you're not a patron yet, you're seriously missing out on all the inside baseball. Uh, it's, don't, don't listen to Ian, okay? It's, it's good stuff. It's good shit. Damn it. <laughs> you're missing out on my suffering. Exactly. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I believe me, as soon as I saw them walk up to Finn, like last week, we saw Luke Gallows walk out with his OG face paint, and I went, <gasps> And then this weekend at SummerSlam, they walk into the locker room up to Finn Balor, and I went, oh, <laughs> it's happening! No. No, it's not. It's not. Not yet, at least. Oh, what is happening, man. however, was a fantastic match between Ricochet and AJ Styles. Not surprisingly, and it wasn't, well, the funny thing was, is it wasn't, you know, balls-to-the-wall insanity. It was just, there was a, it was a well-worked match, straightforward story, with a couple of absolutely insane spots Thanks to Ricochet, who came out dressed in a full bodysuit superhero outfit as Nightwing, like a Nightwing-based suit, which, all right, cool. Um, it was fine, I guess. Don't do it all the time, but it was it was cool for like one one show. Yeah, break it out for the big four, four pay-per-views. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm yeah, everyone's, everyone's 
Everyone's cosplaying these His days. First I, SummerSlam, of course he's going to one up. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Good for him. Um, but what was what was great about it was it made him look awesome when he pulled off insane moves, like standing on the ring apron and then walking across Gallows and Anderson's shoulders to Hurricane Rana AJ Styles, which was nuts. Ricochet went, doing ricochet things. I went straight from watching this show to the bar, where I was still you know kind of amped up about everything. And I was showing people, people who don't even watch wrestling, people who are just these poor, innocent souls sitting at the bar waiting to be served. I mean, have you seen this? And I showed them a clip of Ricochet running across people's shoulders. And to their credit, everyone was blown away. I was like, that's insane. That's absolutely amazing because it is. It's just Ricochet doing Ricochet things. And the match even ended with them doing a crazy thing. Ricochet trying to do a Phoenix splash and AJ Styles catching him into a Styles clash. Yeah. Come on. That's old school. AJ Styles, by the way. That's fantastic stuff. Yeah. The, all um, of those super Styles clashes off the top turnbuckle with Ricochet. I, I don't know that uh, there's... Like, he's the only one that he's done that with, if I can remember right. I don't remember him... Do, maybe Dean Ambrose, if they had... Something... Uh, there's only one or two people that he's actually done that with. And it just takes the right person that knows how to take that move, I guess. Sure. Yeah, it's not easy. Well, I mean, and also, let's call it credit where credit's due. Ricochet also did a one-legged top rope. Uh, was it a cross body or an elbow? Springboard elbow. I don't know, but he did, he, did a, he did a move off the top rope. We had to do a springboard off the top rope. One leg, because he was selling the other leg. His other leg was hurt. So, absolutely nuts. The one thing I have a question here. So, Ricochet eats the pin here. Sure. Not surprising. We both called that as well. Yep. Um, is this... Is this them putting over Ricochet? Like, Ricochet looked fantastic in this match. Like, if, if people aren't behind him now as a babyface, then I don't know what they watched. But AJ Styles still won. So who is... Are they, are they both getting over here? Or do you think that Ricochet should be getting over more? Or is this exactly what AJ needs right now? Like, where do you stand on this outcome? Like, should Ricochet have won? Or was this the right decision? You know, I think I texted you earlier in the day on Sunday before SummerSlam going, something in my gut is telling me Ricochet for Sunday. And we had already locked our picks in, so we didn't want to change anything yet. Yeah, you, I didn't let you change it. I mean, yeah. it's probably a good thing. But, yeah, it, well, fine. Whatever it worked. I, it wasn't going to help me that much or <laughs> hurt me that much more. Uh, but Yeah, you uh, couldn't I have been hurt too much more there. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I felt like there was something driving me towards Ricochet needing to take this back so that we can continue the rubbering, the rubber match. Right, right. Um, because they've already traded once, but we need to get to some kind of stipulation for what Clash of Champions is our next one up here in September. Okay, continue to build with these guys. I want to see these guys have a 20 to 30 minute match where just it's un they just get unleashed. Like take the leash off of these two guys and let them do what they do. It's and WWE, we have not seen Nick. that yet. You're not going to. Don't hold your breath. I mean, honestly, uh, to get a match like this with some really great moves, this is about this is about the best ricochet you're going to get in WWE. Frankly, um, you know, I'm I'm happy that they're letting him do what they're letting him do. Yeah. But my 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 bigger question here is, okay, fine, ricochet looked good, but he didn't, you know he didn't win. He was not he's not the champ. The more the issue is that we now have too many similar baby faces. Too many baby baby faces like ricochet. You've got ricochet. You have Cedric Alexander, Ali. Um, you've got guys like that that are now coming up on the main roster who can all fly and do incredible stuff um, and have this kind of sweet, innocent, baby face 
attitude about them, does Ricochet kind of fade into that background if he's not getting this push next to, like, across from AJ Styles? No, and one of the ways that Seth got over was that he kind of defied odds, uh, whether it was a group of people or whether it was just Brock Lesnar himself. Uh, and I, I see that Ricochet is going to need to, like, defy the odds of the OC to get the U.S. title back, and that's what, the way I would book this. And If that's do- an option, if he's still even in the picture for that, yeah. one thing. And two, Seth Rollins is a great promo. Ricochet, love him, and you and I both are massive, massive fans of Ricochet. He's not the promo Seth Rollins is. He's serviceable, and he's got some very good uh, attitude for certain aspects of promos, but that's not his strong suit. Um, so I don't know if the Seth Rollins comparison is entirely apt. Uh, you know, he's got to be allowed to go out there and show his athleticism. He got over in the first season of Lucha Underground without saying a word. That's true. You know, like That's he can true. do it just by his just by his physical charisma. The guy can get over if you let him. Yeah. So. So you're saying what, we should call Conan and have him come manager for Ricochet? I mean, all right. Never mind. I'm sorry I brought that up. <laughs> I mean, hey. Or, or you know, call in John Morrison and have them go bell to bell one night, do 60 minutes, Iron Man match. Anyway, moving on before we start uh, getting our, our, ahead of ourselves here. Uh, Ember Moon versus Bailey in the We Booked This Why match. Uh, yeah, I, this was a, for me, this was a god-awful build yeah. to this match. They, they didn't set up any real stakes. Ember challenged Bailey. Bailey said okay, and then they traded off finishers week to week where they beat each other up a little bit, but then Ember also got beaten down by Alexa Nikki one week. Like it just, it was muddled and bungled the entire way to this match. And frankly, I think the match was kind of doomed to fail from the beginning as yeah. a result where, you know, the crowd just didn't care. The, they, they were, this was the, this was, they were excited for all the previous matches. This is when they were like, cool time for popcorn. And they were gone. And this was a good crowd. So for them to be this dead for this match, I think showed the lack of interest. And it, it, it sucked because not only was... Uh, I thought they wrestled a pretty decent match. I thought there were some great moves and I thought that they had decent chemistry. They just didn't get a lot of time. And um, Ember looked fantastic, of course. We're both yep. huge fans of Ember Moon. You know, she's got the... Her, the man, the, the, the pep she has on her moves, like the, the crispness, is just... Unbelievable when when you see that in the women's division, yeah, um, you don't see that a lot. So uh, you know, it's, it's, it's it probably was, why other than the big spots, I'll say this: other they had a few big spots which were great. The Bailey to Belly, um, the did she ever get an eclipse off? I don't remember. She did not get so. off an eclipse, which I like because they protected yeah. her finisher. Um, so that, that's I, good I, storytelling. I think we'll continue that one. Sure. I Smackdown's on right now, so we'll see what happens later. Um, but uh, sorry for be o- doing this over SmackDown, guys. But um, we'll see what they. I feel like that's going to continue, though. Or I could be completely wrong, and they yank her out from under it again. Either way, yeah. I feel like Ember is on the right track. Uh, she's getting championship matches. We've been saying for almost a year now that her and Ruby Riot were kind of just treading water re- until they're ready for them. So unfortunately, she's on Ruby the right track hurt. if they continue with this. She's on the right yeah. track if they continue with this. If they let yeah. it drop and she goes back to the background again, then no, she's not. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that they did her any favors with this. They didn't you know, define her anymore. They didn't make her exciting. She was just there. And yeah. unless you were really watching closely and, and seeing that she was a really good wrestler, you didn't care about this match. Yeah, and, and other than bad. the big spots, it was kind of slow and plotting and, you know, <sighs> okay. 
But the, it was, and, and the crowd was dead for it. Frankly, yeah. Toronto is it was a pretty hype crowd when they got their pop moments. That's exactly. But they were also the extreme opposite when they didn't. Yeah, and, and this is the first match you and I disagreed on. This is the first one where you and I said, "No, no, no, I think this is going to happen." And I picked, uh, I picked Bailey to retain, which she did with a top rope Bailey to belly, which Ember can sell the Bailey to belly. By the way, it looked yeah. it looked great. Yeah. Uh, but you were hoping for for a miracle for Ember. Didn't yeah. come through for you. I, I said that. on the show last week I, was, I wasn't going to weight it very high, and it was ultimately my demise for the whole night uh, because I think I ended up putting nine points on it. Oh, I, no, you didn't. Because I, I wanted to really just punch it home. Uh, well, it was, it was all in, right? It's putting all your chips on the table. You, um, yeah, I got a bad you habit went, of doing that. You, took, you took a flyer, and you'll be, st- you'll be sending out a lot of presents to patrons who, who yeah. beat you. As yep. a result, yep. uh, next up we had Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon in a match that I think a lot of people were divided on whether or not they were really excited about it because they're so sick of Shane at this point. But this ended up being pretty much uh, just Kevin Owens coming out, being a massive babyface and putting down the evil tyrant. Feel good moment, um, you know, fighting off Elias who was the ringside enforcer. And uh, ultimately, you know, yeah, stunnering Shane to oblivion and getting the win and then having the hometown crowd go nuts. Yep. So definitely, definitely a feel good scenario. Uh, but is this is this what you want to see from Kevin Owens? And is this do you feel this should be the end of Shane or will this continue? Uh, this is continuing. We're, we're going full Kevin Owens 316 here. Um, I mean, I mean, with Shane. Oh, I, who else is he going to do that with Vince? Stephanie gonna come back. He's headbutted. Uh, yeah. He's he's headbutted Vince once. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I think it would work. It could work if you escalate it. Yeah, his, it could be. It could be listen, fun. they already got escalated. They already got to the point where his career was on the line. So right, <laughs> like, where do you go from there? So I that's what that's what's interesting to me. Like, what are we gonna see beyond a career match? Um, I don't know. I don't. You know, we had the um. Uh, what was it? There wasn't that many like big, like I have I've seen more action between these two on the weekly show shows I should say. So I, I I thought the match was okay, like it didn't blow me away. We didn't see any of the crazy high spots that we're accustomed to seeing from from Shane. Uh, we no, kind of, Shane did not do the big high spots, but but Kevin Owens certainly did a lot of top rope work. Yeah, but it's, yeah the senton into the frog splash one after the other. Yeah. So I mean, there was there was some really exciting stuff in this match. I have to say, this is the first match on the card that made me sweat, where I genuinely the finish I didn't know what was going to happen, because I you know it's WWE. You yo I'm fired. Okay, well, I'll just figure out a way out of it. Like and of our they of our twenty patrons that were in the pickums, the only person that picked Shane was the reigning champion at the time, Justice. Dunner. And he went all in just like you did on Ember. Yeah. You know what? Fair play. Had Shane won, he would have wiped the floor with all of us. He would have won everything. We, he went it's all or nothing, you know. I, and I'm yep. given Shane's run. It's not a. It wasn't a bad pick, uh, which is why I was sweating <laughs> by the end of this match. I'm like, they could do it, but they didn't. Uh, okay. KO did yep. pick up the victory real quick. Shane shoe watch. This was both by Roberto Rosado and Gerardo Garcia. Both the guys called out the Air Jordan 33 Tiger camos on Shane, who wrestled wrestled in his Jordans this time. You maniac, Shane. You maniac. I don't even want to know how much those shoes cost. Five, six hundred dollars uh, easily. Dear, dear God almighty for yeah, shoes. Keep those, ga- keep those gators down. <laughs> it hurts me when I pay a hundred dollars for my Doc Martens. Next up, we had a uh, Trish Stratus 
versus Charlotte. So we follow up. We follow up a Canadian looking amazing with a Canadian looking amazing, but not quite pulling out the victory. Yeah. Uh, this was this was billed as Trish Stratus's final match, and she was going to get one over on Charlotte. Of course, that didn't happen. I think everyone saw this coming where this was going to be Trish putting over Charlotte on the way out, as yeah. you should do, exactly. as should be done, uh, and what she did. And by the way, as much as Charlotte, I feel like really helped Trish a lot in this match in terms of uh, getting her moves off. And, you know, a lot of Trish's moves require support, and Charlotte was very good about that. Uh, uh, Trish, she's Trish, kind of a Tr- terrible base, though. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. She's a little Charlotte's too tall a- and lanky. Charlotte's a fantastic base, depending on who she's working with. Uh, Trish, it's been a while since Trish has worked. Uh, Stratisfaction is what is a, is basically a bulldog where the person holds you up in the air for five seconds. So, which she did, and honestly, it was fine. Uh, Trish looked great here, given you know, given the circumstances. Yeah. I thought that Charlotte made Trish look great, and Trish definitely had enough in the tank to look great on her own. Um, this was better than I expected it to be, frankly, Me both too. in terms of excitement of the match and amount of stuff that I saw them both pull off. So, it lasted yeah, longer I, than the Ziggler-Goldberg match. <laughs> it did, and at the beginning we thought it was going to be a squash where Charlotte was beating down Trish yeah. for a while, and then Trish had the comeback, nice baby face comeback, and then Charlotte ended up picking up the victory um, and then gave her the ring, and Trish had a nice goodbye for everybody. So Yeah, that was awesome. No, this, yeah, it was, and it was a feel-good moment, and, and every, everyone was kind of like, oh, the Trish lost, and then they were like, yeah, we love you, Trish, for the ending. So it was, yeah, it, it did, I, I thought it, it did exactly what it, set out to do and again did not blow the roof off the place but was totally uh stratisfactory yeah. if you will i don't know that, that'll be good feedback you know guys leave it uh, i know we had uh, dominic and craig and i think one other one that were there at the show in toronto yeah so let us know in the comments guys um what was the atmosphere like um for those that uh, that attended that that would like to know uh weigh in let us know what uh, what you guys thought of the experience live at the show because I, I can only imagine that we, as viewers at home, they probably cut away or cut back to commentary while Trish was doing a lot of her stuff. We got to see a little bit of it, but we couldn't really get a feel for the energy in the place as Trish was kind of saying her goodbyes. They didn't really give a, put a lot right. of emphasis on that in the in the show. So, um, One more question before we move on from this. Was yeah. Charlotte the right person to get the rub from Trish? I think so. Should it have been, should it, should it have been somebody else? No, I think so. Trish was, Trish was the number one female for a long time and i think charlotte is and will be the number one female for a long time so yeah, I, I, th- I think that becky's gonna be fine <laughs> becky's gonna be more like alita basically yeah. Uh, yeah. ish ish yeah. obviously not apples to apples but ish where yeah, she's I also extremely extremely popular but one's just a hair higher than the other one in the overall picture no i see the comparison i, I think that's fair I think that's fair. But yeah, we, we both picked Charlotte to win here, uh, so that was fine. Uh, there were only, I think, two or three matches that we disagreed on. This, so when it came to the fan pickums, when it came to the patron pickums, uh, I, I, I texted Nick before the show, and I was looking down all the picks, and I said, Nick, there's going to be three matches that are going to be just absolute bloodbaths. <laughs> it's going to be Bailey versus Ember. Seth versus Brock, and our next match, which was Kofi versus Randy Orton, because those were ones that really were divisive. It was about 50-50 split on who picked what, um, except for Seth Brock, which was very heavily weighted towards Brock for the most part. Yeah. But this was, and this was another one where it, would just, it was a bloodbath by the end of this match because people genuinely didn't know if, this was, if Kofi's going to drop it here and then have to go fight Randy Orton to get his title back. And as it turned out, 
it was a no contest. It was kind of a how how, how should we put it a uh, deliberately paced match. Yeah, for the most part, plotting. And then right, uh, you know, and then right as it started to get exciting, uh, for some reason they got counted out. Because and then we didn't even the, the camera crew didn't even catch. So Kofi went nuts. Then Kofi went nuts while they were outside. Grabbed the kendo stick and beat Randy Orton to a pulp. But we didn't even know why at the time because the camera guy didn't catch Randy Orton talking trash to Kofi's family that was standing ringside. So we didn't even have the reason for Kofi to go nuts. We were too busy still being mad at them being a no contest, both getting counted out. And then all of a sudden, Kofi's turned into a psychopath. We don't know why. And yeah, it was, it was disappointing all around. Well, as soon as I saw the family at ringside as they were making their entrances, I was like, yeah, oh God, I'm so glad I picked Randy. He's going to get distracted by so- Randy's going to do something to his family. He's going to get distracted. Randy's going to get him. This count out. Might be the fastest countout in WWE history. Was it, it as was it as? I'm it, just question. I'm, I'm I'm curious. Was it as fast as the AJ Styles Samoa Joe one from last year's SummerSlam, where they had the exact same ending, where Samoa I, Joe came out on AJ's family and they had a countout? Uh, yeah. It, the, <laughs> people hated that then. Why do it two years in a row? My point is, is the next match where we had Seth do a frog splash onto Brock. They were out of the ring for ten minutes. It felt like. <laughs> but they didn't get counted out. So I understand ref's discretion uh, and all of that kind of stuff, but come on guys. Nick, uh, are you are you are you bringing logic into this? Yeah, yes. I bring logic into my WWE, which is my ultimate downfall and tragic flaw across all things. So. That will only lead to tears. Yes. It would only and trust last me. place finishes in pickums. <laughs> you said it not me. Yep. Uh No, yeah, I don't no, know the and the fans were the fans were in agreement with us. The the whole arena was chanting bullshit at the end. Yep. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I want to see this continue and have this escalate and then you know have a blow off at some point. But this ending left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, which is too bad because this should have been a big redemptive moment for Kofi. They did a good, even though they didn't have a lot of build for this, they did a good job of explaining why this match mattered. And the problem is they didn't execute on the the continuation of that particular train at the finish of this match. Yeah. So it didn't make me excited to see more. Nope. I, <sighs> unfortunately, I think we're going to. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad you picked Randy on this. Cause I was a, this was a coin flip match for me as it was for many of our patrons. And thankfully you had me, you, you, you convinced me to pick Kofi. So I picked this one up too. And, uh, that leads us. This is when I left. I left and I had to go to work at this point and I had to pick up all the rest of this later, but I'm, I'm actually in some ways, I'm so glad I did for the last match because the last match would have had me absolutely pooping bricks yeah. in, in, in terror. But this match would have had me pooping bricks in terror for a different reason because Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Finn came out to the ring dressed all in nice, pure Irish Catholic boy white. And then out came Bray Wyatt. And Nick, I don't know if we can do justice to his entrance with descriptors. It's, this is going to be one of those moments where we just tell everyone listening to the show, just go watch the damn thing. If you watch nothing else for SummerSlam, <laughs> if, if, you, if you don't want to sit through four hours of somewhat mediocre wrestling matches, you have to go see this. In fact, they've even cut it together into a YouTube clip for you to do that mm-hmm. on WWE.com. I did hear some rumor that they had cut out Shots of the lantern. Yes, understandably. Because of, because of controversy. Woo! I will say this. 
I didn't know when they when they first when his music first hit before it got into the actual song. Uh, you had the lights cutting down, and all you saw was like that blue red glow. Yeah, went, you're like, What's what the lantern? hell is that? And it took me a good ten Looks seconds terrible. to realize what it was. What it was. And I think your reaction was the same as a lot of people's because you could even hear in the crowd people starting to realize as the camera got closer what was going on. And it was Bray Wyatt holding his lantern up in front of his face. Yeah. And and as we got closer, we realized the lantern wasn't his lantern anymore. His lantern was now inside a severed head, his own severed head. Apparently his, those his are his mouth. real dreadlocks too, by the way. Oh, his real dreadlocks that he had cut off and then yes. also uh, like they had done a plastic mask. Tom Savini did a plastic mas- a mask of his face. With the uh, eyes sewn shut. Eyes were sewn <laughs> shut and the mouth was gaping wide, wide open to show the lantern inside. And as he lowered the lantern, you could see the fiend mask starting to appear out from behind it. Probably one of the most chilling, insane like I'm, images like I I'm have right ever now. seen. In, yeah, in WWE history. Like, this this is an absolutely historical... This is, this is a crazy moment for me, especially, because my journey with Bray Wyatt uh, and, and being on this show is kind of the same. I was in a pit of despair when we started this show, Nick, because Bray Wyatt, who I loved, was in the process of getting absolutely destroyed by the booking. Yeah, we, we, we had just was, come off the House of Horrors match, I believe. Oh, oh yeah. and it was, it was, I was, I was hurting so bad. It was, it, we, yeah, we're going through the House of Horrors match and just all the rest of that nonsense. And, you know, the downward spiral of, of me just burying Bray and everything they were doing with him has gone on for the last couple of years of this show. So to have this moment when this entrance and, and the build to this is also part of it. Everything that they were doing with the Firefly Funhouse and, and just the slow reveal of all of these things that he's obviously spent so much time and energy thinking about. Um, an effort because this was not just him. This was an absolute team effort. You had no commentary talking during his entire entrance. You had people, the cameras were in the right place at the right time to capture things. Uh, the music, his music had been remixed. Now it's this scarier, much heavier metal version of his old song. Uh, there was so much. And then all, not only that, but of course, all the detail work on the character itself. He has gone through so much to get this to where it is. And not only does it show but it absolutely hit a home run. Home yeah. run over the wall. This was absolutely outstanding. Um, and then the thing that we've been talking about on the show as being the big proving point, can the fiend hold up in the ring when they're under the bright lights? Like, is he just only scary during his entrance or during no. a promo? No, it, it still works. It still works. He yep. beat Finn Balor from pillar to post. And every time Finn started getting some sort of momentum, <laughs> there it is, uh, Bray would beat him back down again. He looked like an absolute monster. Yep. Yep. And I, and it was fantastic. I, I, am, I, I, I am, loved it. I, 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 I'm almost stammering for words because I, I find it hard to describe. And I'm going to go back to what we said at the beginning of this match. You have to go watch this. Yeah. Um, this, and, and I think we said it two weeks ago on the show. Please, WWE, keep it in your pants. If you can keep it in your pants until WrestleMania and we can have Fiend versus Demon, the absolute walls will crumble <laughs> as those yeah. two entrances co- and those two beings come together finally. Oh. You've well, you only got to wait six months. And if you can build it months. up, 
build it up as the demon being undefeatable. He's a monster. Have him beat some other people on the side and then have the fiend, you know, run rush out of the WWE and be this other monstrous entity. And then, yeah, finally have them clash at WrestleMania. Keep it in your pants till then. You even That's had all- Mick Foley, Mr. Hardcore, Mr. Crazy on the pre-show uh, talking about Bray's use of the mandible oh. claw as the fiend, you know, keeping it all kayfabe, right? Just talking yes. about how there's a nerve in there and it deca- it did a deep debilitates your opponent and all this stuff. I will say this: having actually put the mandible claw on myself, being a rather big Mick Foley mark myself, having actually applied it to myself just to see, it really does suck. Yeah. Now it doesn't doesn't make your limbs go limp or anything, but it does really suck. Um, that being said, I love that in this, he showed the mandible claw is now he tried to sister ask sister Abigail and the, the mandible claw is now his finishing move, which is great. Cause it's so terrifying with that mask and the hair and the way he's moving so much more aggressively. Now I like the detail of him, like having the one moment that Finn had a bit of a comeback. It was because Bray had almost like, you know, like a bit of a breakdown where the two sides of his personality were clashing or something. He, right. It was like something was fighting inside his own and, head. And he would do the heel hurt thing with his hands. Yes. Uh, and and it's it's interesting to note, I believe the hurt is on the right hand, and that's the one he's doing the mandible claw with. So I'm wondering if the heel hand, this is getting a little bit fantasy crazy stuff, but I mean, no, that's where, exactly where, where is he's that going to come into play, right? That's I want to know at. what the he's, difference is. But Nick, he's on that level now. That's what he's he's doing. He's working on that level. If WWE can just sit back and let him work creative wise at, at this level, this is what we've been kind of asking them to do is get this creative, have a gimmick character. That's this insane and make us go along with it. Like we'll invest. People will invest. We invest in a freaking undead wizard and his burned half dead brother who spouts fire out of the ring posts. Yes. Like, we'll go with you on this. Don't yes. worry. You know, and how many other wrestling companies have come along that have given us goony stuff like Sue Young over an Impact or, or basically all of Lucha Underground? Right. We'll go along with you. Just make it interesting and make it something that is engaging, Just which is everything that Bray was doing. Yeah. Tell me an That's interesting it. story. And Bray's doing it. I, I got to say one more time, I love the fact that Bray has just taken his leash off on this. And is and basically, if you have a nine or ten year old that's watching wrestling, Bray's coming for your kid. He is gunning <laughs> for your kid. He is trying to give them nightmares, and he does not give a single crap. That lantern head thing was disturbing to adults. Uh. I can't imagine what it did. Like it, listeners, if you have a family and you watch the show with your family, I want to know: Did your kids have nightmares? Did they cry after this? Because I would imagine that they would. That being said. Some of my favorite stuff when I was a kid was the stuff that freaked me out the most. Randy Orton, uh, sorry, not Randy Orton, uh, Randy Macho Man Savage getting bit by Jake the Snake's Cobra. That scared the crap out of me as a kid. Yeah. You know, but it's one of my favorite moments in wrestling. So, you know, was this, was this one of those moments? Was this going to be a moment that kids in the future are going to look back and be like, oh man, oh man, Bray Wyatt messed me up. And it was great. I think so, because I hope I'm, so. I'm in my 40s and it messed me up. I thought, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I thought about it all night, um, and and probably the telling thing uh, that they also put. So the last year or so, they've been doing these watch parties behind the scenes uh, for think, yeah. you know as a fun thing. You know, it's great, right? 
uh, we do the watch parties for the pre-shows, you know, but they do, they won't show the stream of the show, but they'll put a watch party up on YouTube or Facebook live, uh, and show, have some superstars that aren't on the card, but they're still there sit and watch the pay-per-view. You should find the watch party footage of Johnny Gargano watching the Bray Wyatt entrance, the fiend entrance. His his face face was all of our faces. His face was all of our faces. Just that like half giddy, like childlike. He was transported back to his childhood. We watched a grown man get transported back to his childhood on this entrance. (laughs) It was awesome. Uh, Esmeralda in the chat said her little cousin legit cried. I really, how old is he? Oh, that's, oh, I mean, on one hand, I'm like, I'm sorry for your cousin, but on the other hand, I'm like, that's awesome. That's exactly (laughs) the intended response. (laughs) It was the intended response. Freak the kids out, make them terrified, and had to come out there and decimate Finn Balor and kill one of their heroes. This Boom. was listen. There was a lot of duds on this card. This was not one of them. This no. was something we've all been looking forward to. Uh, it's something that we've all wanted to see, and I think we all had a little bit of reservation and uh, skeptical optimism that it would work out and be good. And I think it's a huge, both exciting, but also a relief that. Hell yes, it's amazing, yep. and I can't wait to see what he's got cooking next. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm overstepping to say this is officially now, officially, the best thing in WWE. Yeah. Uh, that being said, Welcome Nick, back, Bray. You know, this, as, as, great as, this, as great as all that was, uh, we were all very nervous about the main event, Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. And uh, again, everyone just kind of assumed it would be another Brock finish. But instead, we actually had a match. This wasn't just a squash. This was a match. This was a Brock nice reminder that Brock Lesnar can sell and wrestle. And we haven't seen that in a long time. Sell, wrestle, and tell a story, Yeah. by the way. Tell a yeah. wonderful story. And do it at a really, really fast pace. Yeah. Like, they did, not, they did not cut corners on this. They did not slow down. The last five minutes of this, again, if I had been watching this live and my entire Pick'em's Night was on the line, I would have been pouring sweat and shaking shaking like a chihuahua in the arctic this but thankfully i got to watch it later and knew the outcome um because the last five minutes of this was we've been so trained nick to to believe that brock is mr one hit kill yeah that you know and 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 you and it takes you know how many finishers you had to finish you got a finisher spam on him to beat him um, and, and Seth even hit the, he hit the stomp twice and Brock kicked out of it both times. And then Brock kept getting him up in the F5 position. And every time you're just like, <gasps> it's over, you know, it, 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 all of that. And correct me if I'm wrong, it paid off in this match because every time Brock did that, we believed it was over. Yeah. Uh, the only and, time I, I saw Brock on the ropes was the high spot off the top ring post flog splash onto the Spanish announce table. Uh, they were outside messing, monkeying around, clearing the the English co- the Michael Cole table off, and all of a sudden Brock gets out of the way, jumps over to the Spanish announce table, and we get a top of the ring post frog splash. The replay looked fantastic. He was at least two times as high as the ring. I don't know how he does that, but it's incredible. Um, it would have it would have been sucked for both of them. I'll tell you that came, right now. He came down on the edge of the table, like right on his ribs too, and I I was like, oh no. Hopefully he didn't hurt himself, but man, I just aside from that, it was an absolute wrestling match, and I love yeah. seeing these two beat the hell out of each other. 
But I, ah, I, I didn't know whether to believe that Seth was actually going to pull it off, or if Brock was just going to be able to go the distance. Sure. You know, I, Brock, I had, Brock I had doing... no way to tell during this match. It was it was one of the better Brock matches I remember. It's one of the best Brock matches of the modern era because yeah. it's actually a match. Yeah. And it's also it was surprising. Um, it was exciting to see Seth find a way out of, of Suplex City. He's the first guy, I think, who's found a counter for Suplex City. You, you German him, he's going to land on his feet. Um, and that was exciting off the bat. And yeah, There's a lot of exciting moments in this match where Seth took these tropes that we've, we've been conditioned to expect in a Brock match and, and subvert them. Yeah. And, and that storytelling, that aspect of it, is what made this match so exciting is it kept you believing that Seth might actually pull it off, might actually pull it off, and that Brock then, was, you know, you kept being like, oh, Brock's just going to pop up and beat him. It's what he does. And Brock kept popping up, and you're like, oh, here we go. And then, he, and then it wouldn't work out. You know, oh, Seth's still alive. And it would keep you invested in it. It was playing off of those tropes is what made this so exciting. And you couldn't have gotten there without all of this time having Brock just kill us over and over again. Just, ah, uh, another one. Okay. Finally to get one like this, it was... It felt pretty good. Yeah, it did. It felt pretty good. Yes, it um, did. But, here, but here's the question now, and, and they've already announced that Brock's not getting a rematch. Is, this, is it a relief that he lost, or is the fact that Seth's popularity has been waning for various reasons, is this bad timing to make Seth champ? Should they have pushed this back, or was this the right time? Like, yeah, I, I what were your thoughts on this? I, so I think it was. I think it's time that somebody else besides... Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar get universal title opportunities. Yeah. Um, I, okay. I think, it, I think it's time, right? Hot that's take, about what we've, That's about what we've had for about a year now, if not longer. And I, I'm just, I'm kind of over it. I, you know, I'm, I'm back to, even though I picked Brock, because I've been conditioned to. You're right. It, it, it worked, Vince. You, you got me, right? So uh, I, I, who's who's next in line? There's a whole host of characters I think that could come up and challenge for the universal oh, title. Geez, yeah, I, I'd love to see some of those. I, a, a Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman. Fi, find me a, find me the other big guys that are in WWE because there's a lot of them. Uh, probably more here than anybody anywhere else in any other promotion that could come up and challenge for it, or some of the more enigmatic guys, an Andrade, or somebody that could go toe to toe with Seth Rollins. I, you know, I. AJ Ricochet, I dare I say. So I, I don't, I don't know. There's, I'm yes, I want Brock out of the way. Yes, I don't want to give Brock another rematch. Uh, he got his money in the bank, great. He got his cash in and, and victory, great. Seth's got it back. Let's move on and let's do something else. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. I think this was great booking in theory. I think on paper, um, having Seth come back and beat him the way that he did after being injured was great. I think just the execution. A couple of times they stumbled. And honestly, the biggest person that hurt was Seth, uh, partially because of his performance, partially because of people's perception of him with the online stuff and, and a lot of the superficial stuff. Um, but I don't think that WWE did anything wrong in terms of their um, concept of you know, having this be the way that Seth takes it off of Brock. Because he just beat him clean. At WrestleMania, yeah. everyone was bitching because he had to kick him in the nuts to win. No, he beat him clean here. Yep. So he's got that. He's got that um, on him. I'll, I'll say this as a, as a closing thing. There was a moment at the end of the Bray Wyatt Finn Balor, or sorry, Fiend and Finn Balor uh, match where the Fiend was walking back up the ramp. They cut the lights again, played his music again, stopped at the top of the ramp 
on the on the breakdown of the song, and yeah, he turned around and looked underneath a uh, spotlight. I would have actually preferred that Seth and Brock opened the show in one of their trophy <laughs> kind of ways, and we closed out SummerSlam with that. You never would have happened because that was an attraction match, and uh, you know it, it didn't. It didn't. I know. I, here, here's the thing. I'm I'm I am playing devil's advocate because that was one of the images of the show, and the entire crowd was chanting, "That was awesome." It's argu- I, I, I'm hard pressed chan- not to use that as the banner for this episode, guys. They chanted. They right chanted. Now. Yeah. Well, there's the banner. Absolutely. Yeah. They chanted, "Holy shit!" Just for his entrance. Yeah. And they chanted, "This that was awesome," after a squash match. That's how good his his stuff was. Of so the beloved I, Finn Balor. I agree. I agree with you that the, like yes, him doing the Vogue pose, strike pose, was. It was great. It was a great way to finish off the whole thing. But there, that was it wasn't a wrestling match. It was it was a it was a showcase. Fine. There will be more. That was a, a memorable moment. There will be like Trish po- like what should we have had Trish's goodbye be the finish of the show? That was also a nice moment, but it wasn't a show closer. Doesn't Seth even posing compare. Seth posing with the universal title after having just beaten Brock Lesnar. The biggest monster in WWE clean with the pyro that we haven't seen in how long going off behind him. Nick, that's a show closer. Yeah, that's a real show true. closer. That's true. Sorry. I'll that's a, that. that's the real show. Yeah. So there you go. So well, what was sir. your thoughts on, thoughts, thoughts on the show overall? I know you said that there were, you felt like there was a couple of duds. Top to bottom grade the show, A to F. What, where would you put this show uh, on that scale? I'm going to go B minus only because of the fiend uh appearance and entrance and you know the, the way it looked in the, I was doubting how he would look under the lights uh in an actual match but I'm huh. very pleasantly surprised otherwise it was mostly just a meh wow. I, I, was, I was very underwhelmed with the card starting all the See, way at the beginning with uh Murphy and Apollo Crews like it just it wasn't booked well you know there there was, it was so a many little flat, ways though. that it could have been a good show and there was a lot just left on the table for me I'll agree. It felt a little bit flat. Um, I, I actually, it's funny. I gave it a B minus just because I felt a couple of matches could have been better and weren't, and I didn't like the the lack of booking for exciting change. It, it didn't feel like this was propulsive to new stuff in WWE. It didn't even feel like it was closing chapters. It just felt like it was just yeah. there. Um, I could have easily have given it a B, but the B minus just because I didn't feel like it left us in a better place, other than with Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins, really. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, that's pretty kind of my takeaway on it too. I was entertained while I was watching it though. That's why I can't give it lower than that. I was entertained. There was no yeah. point when I was sitting there going, uh, maybe a little bit during Bailey Ember, but most part I was I was never just like, oh God, kill me. This is this is unwatchable. This is horrible. <laughs> so I'll give. Uh, I think that's why they put Becky Natalia first. If I'm being honest, to get that one out of the way, so we could have enjoy the rest of them. Had they put I'm, that match two thirds of the way through the show, it would have been dead. Absolutely that was the best dead. woman's match on the show. What are you talking about? Yeah, okay. That's, anyway. Okay. We'll I, I agree I mean, to disagree on that one. We, we also disagreed on uh, who was going to win what matches. And Nick, I cleaned house with you 10-7 on the Pick'ems. Clean sweep. Um, you, and, yeah, clean sweep. Uh, you and Andy Jessup. Uh, Myself and new, new patron winner. reigning champion. Patron Pick'ems reigning and champion. Patron Pick'ems champion. There it is. Unseating. Former yeah. champion Justice Dutterer from WrestleMania, Andy Jessup, 
is your new patrons pick'em winner. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations to Andy. And yes. I, man, he gave me a run for my money. Like as we said, we had to go to a tiebreaker with him and myself, and he he picked ten seconds off. Uh, he picked one minute twenty two seconds for the timing of the Goldberg match. I picked one thirty two actual time of the Goldberg Ziggler match, bell to bell, one minute forty seven seconds. So that is how close it was to Andy actually winning it all, which. <laughs> Man, that was, a, that was a close one for old Mr. Danger there, but uh, pulled it out one more time. Stay on the top of the mountain. Yeah, but, I, make, uh, I make no excuses. Um, I, I went really big on Randy Orton and Ember Moon because I knew if they won those matches, it would be really impactful, and it would be an, I would have just swept the floor with everybody else. But it, it didn't work out for me, and that's the way it is. Luckily, uh, we had one person that actually put more than one point on the Seth and Brock match, and I did not come in dead last. So Close. I do not. We were going to have some fun on the recap show because I was already thinking about uh, how I could do this. Had I come in last, here's what I intended. Uh -oh. Had I come in last, I was going to do this entire show with the Miller Lite beer box on my head. But you all have Trey Davis. Trey Davis uh, unfortunately came in last, which means he's the winner of this, this pay-per-view's booby prize, which yes. is a, the case uh the empty case of beer of miller case of miller light uh that i drank during SummerSlam. i didn't drink all 24 don't worry about to that. to be clear to be clear though trey trey came in last because he went big he yes. went big he, he picked ziggler to win the goldberg match um and then he went ember and randy orton and brock so he went he went on a flyer on all of the big he also picked natalia over becky which is interesting he yeah he basically he was going all or nothing there yeah. <laughs> so I, I I applaud his testicular fortitude. Yes. But but that being said, Nick, luckily for you, this was not the only pay-per-view this weekend, and you were actually able to to maintain a shred of dignity when it comes to the pickums just between you and me, because you did actually clean house over on Takeover Toronto. Well, yes, TakeOver Toronto was, as they always are, one hell of a show. I, I don't even honestly know where to begin with this, so we're just going to start at the beginning. Uh, it, was, it was magnificent. I think we all knew that this show was just going to be absolutely magnificent. We opened up with the tag team championship match between the defending Street Profits against Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish of the Undisputed Era. How many times have the Undisputed Era pulled the curtain on a TakeOver show? Just because I, I, they're just I, because they, they, you know they're you know they're going to put on an amazing match. Yeah, uh, and, and kudos to the Street Profits as well for for you know working this match as well as they did alongside the Undisputed Era. But my God, I, it, I haven't was, I haven't seen that many red solo cups since I was at a Texas A and M game. Yeah, I think they they taped them or they were handing them out or they taped them under the seats or something. Every no. single person had a red solo. No, cup. what? People don't bring their own the man signs and Cesaro section signs. I'm shocked, Nick. Don't break Sorry, kayfabe for spoiler me. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but no, uh, it, regardless, yeah. it was a great looking scene. I mean, it looked like it, it was an absolute zoo. Street, Street Profits going out in the audience before the match. And then, you know, everyone not everyone being like, oh, right. They're facing undisputed air. We love them, too. Ah. Hot, hot start to this. Um, but here was the crazy thing. OK, great match. It was it was very entertaining. I think Undisputed Era has had better matches before. Yeah. This is this is absolutely the Street Profits' best match. Um, but they won. The Street Profits won. 
Against all Here. odds. I never would have guessed it. What? Yeah, no, that, well, especially because we all thought they were going to the main roster. It's the same thing they did with Viking Raider, War Machine. War Machine! When they were leaving and going up to the main roster, they retained their championships, and we were just like, what? what? Let's, let's hope that that's not uh, the same fate awaiting Street Profits, although they were all over uh, SummerSlam as well, so apparently they're still being used uh, on the main roster as well as in NXT. I don't know. Vince, Vince loves them or something because yeah. they're very entertaining. Yeah. But, um, but that being said, yeah, it was a shock. It was a shock that the, the Profits retained. Neither you nor I saw that. We both thought Undisputed Era was holding on to this. Uh, but Profits still are your, your tag champs. How, I, who do they lose it to now? Undisputed Era didn't take it from them? What? Who's next? I, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Street Profits still your NXT Tag Team Championships. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, can I, I shout, out, yeah. shout out Dawkins, by the way? Shout out to oh, Dawkins. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like cool. usually we always talk about Montez as being like the, the big crazy fun guy of Street Profits. Dude, Dawkins did some work in this match. He was in there the most. Absolutely. And looking great. Yep. Absolutely. So. Uh, I want to talk about the next match. I can't wait any longer. You can't wait. I can't wait longer. <laughs> I'm I'm literally fine, sitting fine. here just I don't know if I've ever seen a better women's match. I'm gonna say that. All hyperbole wow. aside, I don't know if I've ever seen a better women's match than Candice LeRae and, and Io Shirai. That was one of the best, if not the best, women's match I've ever seen. Period. It was incredible. It's, it's the thing that we always hope we get. And so most of the time left feeling a little, you know, underwhelmed. But met this delivered. This is arguably, short of what happened in the main event, this is arguably the best match of the night, and frankly, one of the best women's matches I, I can remember in recent memory. I, I uh, would definitely say this is in contention for the best match of the night. I don't know about versus the main event. We'll talk about that. No. But um, this There's was no definitely a very, very good, <laughs> very, very good women's match. I think I still prefer um, Bailey Sasha in Brooklyn. Sure. I still prefer uh, Asuka Ember. I think it's still better than this. This yeah. is certainly in... This is in the running for one of the best worked women's matches in WWE history. It's the the I hope this is in moves. contention for match of the year. I, at least on the list, it should be. I so. think it will be just because of women's evolution, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, that being said, this was a fantastic match. There's yeah. no arguing that. And it had, you know, the, the amount of moves that were pulled off by these two, the variety the timing, the, the, the chemistry, um, just the cleanliness of it all. Like it was, it was a really cleanly worked match. And can we give a shout out to Io Shirai's new look, attitude, presentation? I'm all about crazy evil Io Shirai. There were people joking about around it. just to call her evil Shirai from now on instead of Io. Uh, I could get behind that. Los Ingobernables Intensive Candace. I like it against Candace. Because Candace can also work a beast of a match, which she did here, but she also has a, even more, if it's possible, of like a candy-coated sweet girl next door thing going on than Kyrie Sane, and that contrasts so well with Evil Io Shirai. So it was it worked out it worked out wonderfully for that. Um, Io did pick up the win here. Not terribly surprising. We both called that, but this was Candace's most major match to date. Do you think this woke people up on Candace, or are people still sleeping on Candace LeRae? 
Uh, I think people were up until this point sleeping on Candice LeRae. Um, uh, I I don't think they are anymore. I I think you can tell that she's been, you know, she did a slingshot DD, Tope slingshot DDT that was just like, it's something you'd see from Johnny Gargano. So, uh, oh man, Uh, there was so many moves and spots in this match and so much back and forth in the match itself that I was just overwhelmed by how mat- how well this how good this match was. I can't even get my words out right now. Uh, it's, this, this <laughs> you wanted just, to talk about it, you can't even get so your good. words out. I can't, I can't look. Obviously, this was to put over Io Shirai, you know, a, a evil Shirai, uh, as we're we're gonna call her from now on. But yeah, uh, uh, more please. Or is this the end? Does somebody else? Do we now send up evil Shirai after Shayna Baszler? To take it off of Shayna. That would yeah. be so much fun. Heel versus heel, like, oh, I kind of like that a lot, but we'll see. Um, I, I, all I know is after this, like, you've got to look at... I, I love the fact that they've now, officially, they've got Io Shirai as being, in my opinion, like, probably the most exciting women's wrestler in their company, if not Shayna Baszler. Because I, I don't know if I'd call Shayna exciting. Like, Shayna is a beast, and I love her. But EO is actually like electrifying yeah. with what she does. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do next with both of these women after this match. Uh, especially considering that this had to have opened a lot of eyes to both of them. Or at least I would hope so. Yeah. Um, but that being said, the next match also I think opened some eyes. Velveteen Dream versus Pete Dunne versus Roderick Strong with North American Championship. Are we just... At this point, are we just spoiled by the fact that these three guys are wrestling in the same company and they had a match on this show? Like, are we just spoiled by this? Uh, do we? I don't take it for granted if that's what you're implying. Okay, um, that's kind of that was what I was implying. Yeah. Yeah, just the, the, the excitement of seeing these three guys, even leading up to it. Pete Dunn coming out, I popped so hard uh, <laughs> last week or the week before when he surprised yeah. everybody, and now he was entered as a and made it a triple threat. And Velveteen Dream and, and Roderick Strong were just, no, no, not him. <laughs> no, anybody but him. <laughs> um, that just made the match for me. So it was extremely well worked. These guys were just fantastic. Uh, I mean, Velveteen Dream's 23, 24 now, maybe. Uh, it's, the ceiling is so high for that guy. So is Pete Dunn. Right. He's also a baby. Like they're they're both babies, and Roderick Strong, he's not exactly. I mean, he's not young, but he's not long in the tooth either. No, all three of these guys are beasts. <laughs> the thing that the thing that I think I want to I want to just rest my description of this match on the most because a lot of these these NXT matches are harder to describe than the main roster matches. This was a triple threat where it felt like a triple threat. You didn't yes. have two guys doing a singles match against each other while the third guy rested. This was a proper three-way match where it was a three-way dance. And almost always, there was some sort of interaction going on with all three guys. It was perfectly booked in that sense. But there was always something for everyone to do. And, when, and they never sold for so long that you were like, where's so-and-so? It always felt like they were doing things with each other. There was a constant story being told. And it was, yeah. and it was just, it's basically just a fun match. You, you, oh, yeah. you couldn't take it too seriously. Because there was, a, and there was even a lot of like, kind of even like little winking stuff in the match about it just being, just you know, fun. Like them just having a total slap fight in the middle of the match, 
Pete Dunn, you know, looking at Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream, kind of like just throwing punches, and Pete just shrugs his shoulder and starts, eh, wades in there with the lamest punches you've ever seen in your life outside of Shane McMahon. Like it was, right. it was, it was just fun. It was a fun match to watch. Um, and I have to say, I was a little bit surprised that Velveteen Dream won and retained his title. Obviously, I was not. You were not. You you picked that, you animal. But yep. I was a little surprised by that. But at that same I think time, we were all got a lot. We all worked ourselves into a shoot over undisputed era. Oh, uh, you know, draped in gold and all of that stuff, right? Brother, and brother, I, I was so worked by the end of the by the end of our description of this takeover, our pickums. Yeah. I was so worked. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was toast. I should have just made my picks before the show instead of like trying to do it in the middle of the show and trying to outthink myself. That was horrible. But uh, yeah, no, this was a, a fantastic, another fantastic match. A lot of fun. Um, and I, I look forward to seeing what they do with Dream next. I don't know if they continue with just straight up Pete Dunne or if they find someone else for him to feud against, whether that's Dijak or Keith Lee or, or someone else who's up and coming. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, Dijak would be very interesting. Dijak versus Velveteen Dream. Uh, By yeah. the way, I, I, I actually, and I'm so sorry, I did mean to uh, mention this earlier. And I, I feel bad because, again, I've, I've spaced the name that WWE gave him, but Punishment Martinez. Um, Damien what the Priest. He- Damien Priest. Thank you. I, I can't stand it. Punishment Martinez. Such a <laughs> no, Damien I like, Priest. I, I would like Damien, it to be Damien Priest. Hi, this is Damien Priest, and <laughs> I'm here to... So I'm actually going to do this uh, announcement in Damien Priest's voice. Okay. Bray Wyatt. Need a pal. Oh. Can you imagine uh, Damien Priest with Bray Wyatt? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Her, oh, my God. Her, my God. The question is, Bray, do you want to heal them or hurt them? I can do both. I could do both. It puts the lotion uh, in the basket. Uh, so, right. yeah, anyway, <laughs> small aside, Nick, you did get this one. However, we both got the next one. Shayna Baszler versus Mia Yim for the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, this was tough because it came after the previous women's match and the previous triple threat match and the opener and the Matt Riddle and, and Killian Dane brawl thing that happened in the middle of the show where Matt Riddle ran to the ring and called out Killian Dane and they had a brawl and they got separated and that was, they went through a table and it was fun. I don't um, want to take too much away from this match though. I hear what you're saying and I mostly agree with you, but this was a fight. This, this had a different feel. Uh, it was slow and intentional and plotting and all of that stuff. Uh, but there was a fight. They were hitting each other hard. It was a little stiff, uh, and I like that. You know, they beat the hell out of each other. Uh, I'm actually gonna. I'm gonna agree with you. I, I think yeah. that. I think that, like we say with a lot of these Shayna Baszler matches on the takeovers, is go. If you had a Shayna Baszler match and you're like, eh, I didn't really like it, go back and watch that match without the rest of the show around it. Yeah. And you'll just, probably just be like, that, that was a good match. Itself. Removed from the whole takeover dynamic. Yeah. Remove it from the excitement of the other matches and the way those matches are worked. Yeah. These are actually, these are good matches. Was it, you know, a barn burning, exciting match? No. Was it as good as Io Shirai and Candice LeRae? No. I, I will fully admit that. But it was a really well worked, as you say, hard hitting technical match. And, I, and it told, I thought, a really good story. Yeah. It, t- it told a fantastic story. Shayna lost an arm in this match. Mia Yim took out her arm. And Shayna was not able to apply her finishing move. Uh, Never did lock in the clutch. 
she couldn't lock in the Kirafuda clutch. So she had to transition into a triangle choke using her legs to, to and, and that she's done that a couple times in matches where she's transitioned, where she's shown that she's so good, she's so capable that she doesn't have to use the one way of beating you. She can translate trans, transfer into another one and take you out that way. Yeah. And what was the one where she was fight? pulling her own hair or something to, to lock the clutch? Yeah. In? Oh, God. I love stuff like that. And it's details yeah. like that in her matches. I think people underappreciate. And that was the case with this match where people underappreciate the fact that Shayna is just such a beast that she was able to say, OK, I, I she's even trying to use her dead arm to lock in the clutch at one point. Like she transitioned into another finishing move that's just as effective. Like that's what a beast champ should be like. Where they're, where they're, they're, you know, she's vulnerable. Mia Yim took it to her, took out one of her arms. And you know what? Shane is just so scary. They even said, Mia Yim, you're taking a chance by trying to tussle, like actually get on the ground and go grapple for grapple with Shayna. And yeah. sure enough, it ended up costing her. It did. That was the story. It's a, it was a great story. I thought it was well told. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it just did not contrast well with the other matches on the card. And it didn't turn into a win. For, for yeah. Mia Yim. You know, Shayna Baszler the, retains the NXT Women's Championship. I just saw in my notes here, and it reminded me of something. There oh. was one big issue I had with this match. Okay. And that was that Mia Yim hit a top rope cold, code blue on Shayna, and Shayna kicked out. I didn't like that, and I thought it was a bit, it, it actually ended up being a bit of a uh, foreshadowing of my issues with the main event. Yeah. That's a good point. Which yeah. let's talk about right now, Nick. Yes, we need to, because we're going to be here for a minute. Um, <laughs> Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole. We knew it was a effectively a three stages of hell match where uh, each of them picked a stipulation for the first two falls and then William Regal picked the third one. And it was it officially announced before the the match? I feel like there was a backstage segment that I'm not remembering clearly. During but- the pre-show, William Regal cut a pre-taped announcement saying, I've got something very special for the third match. I want there to be a decisive victory. Uh, the winner's going to be the winner, and that's that. Um, and I, you know, I, I could tell you, but I'd rather show you because I really don't want to give it away. Oh, yeah. But I also am really excited about it. And they showed flashes of what appeared to be the asylum cage from the Ambrose Asylum match between Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho, which yeah. you know covered in weaponry and barbed wire on the top and all that kind of stuff. Mitch so. the Houseplant was in there apparently. Was Mitch there? I didn't see Mitch. I don't know. Somebody said it in the in our live chat. I, I think I they were kidding. It. Okay. I think they were. I think they were joking. I think they were. <laughs> well played. I think they were. I think they were joshing with you, Nick. Yes. Uh, yes. That being said, yeah, as I mean, we knew at that point, it's going to go to three falls. The question is just how do we get there? And it was not how we would have expected, and frankly, I wasn't totally sold on it because the way that they did it was that Johnny Gargano gave up the first fall by allowing himself to be disqualified. Because yeah. the, first, the, first one, the first one was Cole's match. Was He said, I want a straight-up wrestling match. And Johnny said, okay. But at the end, uh, Johnny grabs the chair, beats down Cole, and just kind of shrugs. The ref goes, uh, all right, first match to Adam Cole. And Johnny Gargano goes, cool, and continues to beat the crap out of Adam Cole. And then beats the crap out of him for most of the next match, which was a uh, street fight. Uh, street fight match? Yeah, street fight match, not a hardcore match. So, Butter said this he even- thought they were lowering the triple cage of death from the Ready to Rumble movie. I don't even See, remember no, what that is. I would have I popped harder for that, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Especially if David Arquette was still on the top of it. Anyway, um, (laughs) 
but th- this is the thing is that we got we so we right off the bat Johnny Gargano's down you know 1-0 and we, so we know he has to win the second one so at that point the second one went on for a long time yeah it was almost like a, a, a 15 minute second part of the of the match and frankly it, it just kind of I kind of tuned out to it at a certain point they were hitting all these big finishers I'm like all right well Johnny has to win this otherwise what's the point of all this build. And sure enough, at, some, at a certain point, Cole tapped out in the uh, Gargano escape. And there we were. We were off to the races. Yep. And we were, we were all saying, how do they do this third one? We don't see a cage. There's no cage hanging there. They had curtains way up in the arena. Brilliant. And they never showed them. They did a great job of hiding it. Maybe not from the live crowd, but from us for sure. We had no idea it was there. And damn it, they lowered that damn cage around Gargano and Cole. And props to the way they booked this, where Gargano in this street fight, started pulling out tables and throwing them in the ring like he was going to use them. And they never got used. And he tapped out Cole in the middle of the ring. They never got those tables used. But when that, when that cage came down and there's no way out because the barbed wire, they're trapped in the cage with tables yes. and all the weapons they need. Brilliant. Well done. Uh, that was very well done. And then, for me, it really went off the rails. And, Nick, I want your opinion on this because you said you love this match. Oh, I, yeah. thought this turn, I thought this turned into absolute just finishing moves spam to the point of gratuitousness where we just had Canadian destroyer after Canadian destroyer. We had dudes just taking absolutely hellacious moves and that's been their stock and trade with their matches is kicking out of the most ridiculous crap. And in the last one, the two out of three falls match, it was fun, but it was the first time we'd really seen them do it. And in this one, it was just kind of like, Oh, for crying out loud, he's going to kick out of another one. At least for me, this is where this is where they lost me on how much crap they were kicking out of. How many rainmakers does Okada throw on average in his matches? Isn't that supposed to be his big finisher? The I'm difference not trying to do an apples and oranges comparison here, but I'm just you know. And you shouldn't because they're not because the difference between New Japan and this is that they have two levels. Most of them have two levels to their finishers. Okada has a running rainmaker, but the the true rainmaker, the stand ripcord rainmaker. That's one and done. Very few people kick out of that. Like if you look at Dean Ambrose now, John Moxley in uh, New Japan, he has his old Dirty Deeds one, which he's now calling uh, Death Rider. Now he's calling Death it Death Rider, yeah. Um, and uh, but if you if he gives you his old one where it's a double underhook DDT, that's stage one. But if he lifts your leg up and he makes it an elevated one, that's the true Death Rider. That's death. You're done. You're one, two, three. So it is, it is another thing. Like you, Kenny Omega would get hit with a bunch of Rainmakers that weren't the true Rainmaker, sure, and you kick out. But you get hit with the real one, pretty much everyone goes down. You know, I, there's every now and then I like a sort of superhero showdown of sorts. Yes. Um, and I think that's what we got here. Uh, I, you know, suspend, For the third time in a row. Sure. Suspend disbelief and enjoy the ride. That's kind of what I what I was in for here. We've known it was going to be this. I'm I'm not surprised by this. I'm I was surprised by the asylum cage. Hell yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised. I wish they had used more of the weapons. I wish they wouldn't have been zip tied on so tight so that they had to struggle to get them off. That I wish him going up there and spending five minutes to cut a piece of barbed wire would have actually gotten used, which wasn't used. And yeah, so, that was the other um, thing was. Yeah, some of the some of the use of the weaponry was a little bit underwhelming. I like that they used the fire extinguisher. I like the nod to Triple H with the sledgehammer coming out. Um, but, you know there was, but there, there there was stuff that you were sitting there going like, oh my god, they're going to get hardcore with this. 
He goes up and gets, as you said, there was, a, there was the bag. And I was sitting there waiting for the bag to come out. Because I was sitting there going, oh, my God, they got thumbtacks. If this ends with thumbtacks, this will be the greatest match of all time. And then they get, the, they get that bag and they upend it. And it's some wire cutters and a couple of other little knickknacks. Pliers and, I, even and handcuffs, the, yeah. Even the, even the crowd went, oh. Yeah. oh <laughs> what else man. do you put in a burlap sack besides thumbtacks? Obviously not that. No. I mean, yeah, and they even tried to even sell it. Even the Triple like, H oh, well, Batista match, it was a toolbox that he got they the They called it out. And they were like, yeah. remember what Triple H did to Batista with the pliers at WrestleMania? I'm like, yeah, neither of them have a nose ring that makes it freak or an eyebrow ring, whatever it but was. But it was a red toolbox, and that makes sense. You get a tool out of a toolbox, not a Thank brown you. burlap bag that everybody knows is thumbtacks. I like you're coming over to my side with this. All right, so let's yes. continue. And then Johnny Gargano takes one of those wire cutters up to the top, has a hard time cutting off a piece of barbed wire, which ultimately he and Cole end up on the other side of the top of the, the cage on a little very conveniently placed platform at the top of this cage with, with tables below. We know, we know they're coming off onto the tables already, but then he doesn't even do anything with the barbed wire and then they just go flying off the top onto the tables. And by the way, don't even really hit the tables. They like glance off of one and it was one of the most hellacious falls I've ever seen. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh God, horrible fall. Um, and Cole's back was all tore up, but what was the point of the, the barbed wire then? Why have all this stuff? We were joking about at the time. Actually, I actually even made a tweet online. I forget it was Bruce Mitchell or who it was said something about how, um, you know, Vince was like, Oh, we're not a blood and guts company proceeds to have a match with all kinds of, of implements of destruction. And I said, where there was no blood, right? Or guts. Like, yeah, Vince can continue to say that because you hear you have a hardcore match, essentially, with all this weaponry, and no one got busted open. Except for accidentally with Cole in the back and like a little contusion on his forehead during the second and, part. And, and in this, inside of that, of the dynamic of a three stages of hell match. Like, you're going to tell me not, neither one of them got busted open in any kind of way in a three stages of hell match that ended in a hardcore asylum match? One of my on. favorite matches of all time, and, this, and I know it's a purely nostalgia thing, but one of my favorite matches of all time is Stone Cold Triple H in a Three Stages of Hell match. It's one of my favorite matches of all time because I had never seen anything like it. And I genuinely didn't know if they were going to go to a third fall. I assumed they would, but they did it in a way that I didn't expect. And then it was so brutal by the end of that. Like th Both those guys acted like they were almost dead at the end of it. And they were covered in blood. Yeah, and now I understand that not obviously WWE doesn't. That's not their stock and trade anymore. I get that, but this is a match. If you're ever going to do a little bit of juice, this is the match to give us a little bit of juice. You don't even have to have it be like Dustin Dustin Rhodes in in the middle of the ring in Vegas. You could you know, a little trickle, whatever. Or like you know, all they needed was to have Johnny Gargano take Adam Cole from behind. Wait a minute, that sounds wrong. Take Adam Cole phrasing and and. Have, wrap that barbed wire around his forehead from the back and just pull him back a little bit so that Adam Cole's screaming, oh, it looks horrible. It doesn't even really have to like pierce his flesh or anything. It just looks really bad on the top of that platform. And then they both, Adam Cole can like turn around and grab him. They both go off. That right there is a finish. To me, this felt like the, once I got to the third stage, first of all, I was waiting for the third stage the entire time. And, and let's, I'll call a spade a spade. Both these guys try to kill each other for our entertainment. So, all the damn props to them. But in terms of how this match was laid out, we expected the third fall the entire match, and it took too long to get there. By the time that we got there, we were expecting them to go to the next level. And instead of going to that insane next level, uh, 
which I think people were expecting, they didn't meet those expectations and instead went back to their finisher spam kind of stuff where people were kicking out of tornado DDTs on chairs and stuff like that. And it's just yeah. like, really? Yeah. You, you would never, like, you, you guys have both tapped out or, or, you know, gone down for the three count on much less than this. So that's my spiel. Why did you think it was the match of the night? Because it was. Did it have <laughs> things that were lacking? Yes. This, is, this was an absolute spectacle. Um, that's what it was there for. It was uh, winner take all, the third Cole versus Gargano three. You know, all of the things were there. It had stakes. It was for the championship. It was a three stages of hell match. It had all of the things that we complain about that matches in WWE, championship matches, typically lack. It had every single stake that you could think about, short of a career match. Uh, well, I mean, they did attempt to end each other's careers, but it had all of that. So I, I, the spectacle of it and the build towards it was brilliant. I loved it. And with the whole meta aspect of, the, uh, of Adam Cole's prophecy of Undisputed Era being draped in gold, oh, uh, the other two it. teams had already lost, or the other two matches were all. So now if he didn't, they wouldn't have any gold. Have any gold. So there was all kinds of drama around it and the spectacle of it. Could they have done more? Absolutely. Did they do enough for me? Absolutely. I so mean, I, again, I, well, I'll tell you this. It was definitely one of the matches of the weekend, despite my nitpicking, like call a spade a spade. It was a absolute spectacle. You're completely right. And it was two guys who are some of the best wrestlers in the world doing what they do better than anybody else for nearly an hour. So I and it was I mean it was better than anything on SummerSlam except for Bray Wyatt and maybe Seth Brock which was a lot of fun it for was a completely different than Seth Brock totally different reason yeah um I th but I think I was more excited by Seth Brock to be honest okay. with you like that that got my blood pumping more and and, and that's, you didn't even that's watch it live so that's interesting and I didn't even watch it live I can't even imagine if I'd seen Seth Brock live anyway but the, my point is is that yeah spectacular match but. We're so spoiled by NXT. We are. That at this point, I can, I can look at this match and say, eh, it's just, it just wasn't quite there because they, just, they went too far. They went too far. And yet, in some things, they didn't go far enough. I agree. I agree. So what do you think so, about TakeOver overall? Like Top to bottom, rank this on the TakeOver scale. Never disappoints. You know, uh, the only one I'm giving... I, I, there's nothing on this card that I'm giving... It, this is a full-on A for me. Uh, I'm not... Uh, there's no negative knocks for me other than the little tiny minuscule nitpicks we just made about the, the, the main event. Everything else, I think, just fully delivered. And I think people misunderstood the point of the street fight-esque style of the Baszler and Mia Yim match. That was, a, that was just a stiff fight. Mm. Um, it was not a wrestling match spectacle thing like we saw uh, throughout the rest of the, uh, the rest of the night. But yeah, solid A for me on TakeOver. As usual, you know, when do we ever knock down a TakeOver, honestly? I, they're, I'm they're about brilliant. to. And I, I'm going to give it an A-, minus, to be honest with you. And but here's the thing. I will never give... I, I can't... In a modern era, I can't think of a TakeOver I would give less than an A-, minus too. Yeah. Um, because they are, like, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, they are the best wrestling shows currently being put on. Period. Hard stop. And that's been fr front to back. NXT... Um, I think it's even better than New Japan. Like New Japan, just because you know they have matches that are not like 
in between all the like they might have better like individual matches, but there's lots of fluff in between a lot of their shows. And you know, every once in a while you get one like Dominion this year, which is which is kind of a disappointment. NXT does never like their takeovers do not disappoint. Well, they only do this them was, like once a quarter. You know, we only get like four of them a year. So oh, absolutely. No, hey, the, the the fact of their timing and their schedule and the rest of it being a factor I, that's something else. I'm just saying, as far as if you put one show next to all the other shows, just the shows you're getting, they're putting on the best shows consistently across the board. And maybe that may have to do with their schedule, but absolutely. The end result is the end result. You'll get no argument for me, but I was able to secure a victory for TakeOver. Imagine that. A four you to were. Two. You saved yourself from another Naya Shrine edition by winning one of the two pay-per-views this weekend. So congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, buddy. Still haven't taken a whole weekend yet, but you will. You will one of these one days. Day. One, one of these day days you'll it be. it will happen for me. One day you'll be a real boy. Yes. Well, guys, thank you very much for hanging in there. Those of you that watch live, thank you for joining us. A little bit late. Uh, we had a little bit of some technical difficulties as we get the whole new streaming set up. You guys can see my backdrop is a little bit different. Naya's still there. She's still there. We're changing things around. I hope the stream looked really stable today. So I was watching the performance the whole time. It looked fantastic. Fingers crossed. I think we might have solved it. We might have We might have solved it. Uh, guys, as always, thank you very much for hanging out with us. Definitely come over and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. It's the hub of our operation. It's where you want to be. Don't sleep on the Gleam giveaway that we've got going on. It's posted at the top of the discussion group, pinned to the top of our Twitter feed, and you can find it in the profile of our Instagram as well. Uh, definitely sign up for that. All you have to do is follow us everywhere and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Free merch. Who doesn't love tell every, much? Tell everyone you know to subscribe to our YouTube channel, by the way. Yes. At least if you want to see us humiliate ourselves. Yes, as soon as possible. You can see at the bottom of the screen there, we got about 50 days to make at least one of them happen. you got about two weeks to make both of them happen. So let's get <laughs> it on. Let's go. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast right here on YouTube where we are live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern at 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, as well, uh, so uh, uh, excuse me, youtube.com slash busted wide open, uh, and patrons, we love you guys. Thank you very much for your support. Absolutely love the, the, that you give us a little bit of your hard earned money every single month just to ask us some questions or listen to a bonus episode or two means the absolute world to us. It helps us pay some of the bills and get things done over here. Uh, but I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at data center, dude, and I am Surrey and dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and dangerous. But my God, would somebody stop the damn back? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.